got some interesting stock moves this morning. We got to dive into Walmart is down 7.8%. George Tillis joins us from Salt Lake with some thoughts on the numbers. Good to see you this morning, Mr. T. Good to see you too, OJ. Good to be with you. Hey, we got a rally underway, and Walmart, which has been a leader in a down market, is now down 8%. So does this fit into an up market potentially building here? Well, I think so. I, I mean, I think uh, overall the reversal we're seeing in the markets, which started about, uh, I would say, last Wednesday or Thursday, is, uh, is probably going to continue for at least in the short run. But again, Walmart, which had performed rather well considering the market, OJ, I'm not surprised to see to the downside if you look at retail sales, which missed the numbers. Walmart is an immensely large business, close to $600 billion in sales every year, and they have, deal, they have to deal with issues with labor costs, fuel costs, logistics and shipping costs, uh, and of course, uh, inventory mismatches and pricing. And so it's been a very difficult environment for them, but overall, you know, they've held up better, much better than some of the e-commerce uh, players in the space. And in fact, if you look at Walmart's numbers overall, total sales, uh, which beat the, beat the expectations by about $3.5 billion at $141 billion. Sales were up 2.5% or 2.4%, but it looks like on a, on a non-GAAP basis, they missed by about $0.18 cents, uh, in terms of earnings per share. And that's due to, of course, uh, higher, higher cost of uh, procurement, shipment, labor, et cetera. But the comp sales were, uh, were pretty good at 3% year over year. Uh, higher by 9% compared to 2019. But the kicker is, if you look at their e-commerce sales, they were only up 1% year over year. But compared to 2019, they're still up 38%. So you can see there was a huge push towards e-commerce sales for the giant. Uh, but e-commerce sales are slowing. Uh, it, it's probably a good thing that it's a smaller portion of their business for all of the companies like Amazon or Shopify. Uh, but overall, you know, this is uh, certainly a value and income base name, but the EPS miss as well as the guidance going forward, which looks like they're expecting EPS to be slightly flat uh, to slightly higher with top line sales down about a, about a percent. I think this suggests there's challenges from the consumer standpoint, uh, and this is really a bellwether that demonstrates that. So the e-commerce slowdown is pretty interesting because so far uh, the market had been focused not on the Walmart e-commerce side, but the kind of uh, cheap, basic goods in an inflationary environment finding appeal among uh, buyers. But, you know, that's what I was asking our, our guest yesterday about uh, the Walmart report is, you know, is that part of the kind of Walmart boom slowing down, plateauing? Because that was a big part of the Walmart bull case, uh, you know, it, not just during COVID, but prior to that, too. Because uh, Walmart was not like the, the biggest e-commerce winner during COVID. You were much better off being in Shopify, Amazon, et cetera, uh, the really kind of high growth businesses. So Walmart coming back down to 135 pretty much puts us into the range that stretches back to October 2020. Um, and also, I guess, tells us, you know, that even Walmart with the amount of volume and, and sheer scale that it has, is uh, in as much difficulty as anyone else when it comes to margins and inflationary forces. Definitely, especially when you're dealing with a business that, that operates on extremely low margins. It's all about sales volume and low margins, and that's their business model. Uh, and again, if you look at the aspects of some of these other e-commerce players, their margins are much better than Walmart, as they should be. They don't necessarily have the scalability like Walmart does, OJ. But so, 
if you're already operating at very razor thin margins and there's been some challenges in your business, uh, that's certainly going to cut into those already very small uh, EBITDA margins. And that's what we're seeing with, with Walmart. The other thing, one of the guys I did notice is they operate Sam's Club, which is a Costco competitor. That company actually, or that division, demonstrated growth of about 10.4% year over year with membership growth. Uh, that was about 18% higher compared to 2019. And I think this is basically Costco shoppers trading down uh, to Sam's Club because uh, Costco prices, just uh, you know, uh, anecdotal experience, OJ, are extremely high right now. So there seems to be, again, some push towards the warehouse memberships uh, of Sam's Club away from Costco. So this might be something to keep in mind if, uh, if uh, next time Costco reports earnings. Okay. All right. Uh, always like the boots on the ground Costco reporting. George, we know you're good for it. How about Home Depot? Uh, what's Mr. Tillerson Co. Uh, family doing on the construction side? I know Ben Watson's busy out there. You keeping up? Well, I mean, look, there's not a lot of choice. When you go to uh, make home improvements, OJ, it's Lowe's or Home Depot. So therefore, what do we have? We have two businesses that really control the market. I think overall, these companies have been challenged respectively as they should because of higher interest rates. They've been falling considering, you know, home prices have been escalating, but home improvements, I suggest, are still uh, intact. Overall, it's a really steady company. Uh, when it comes down to, you know, the outlook as well as guidance for the full year that they actually raised, not to mention they beat the EPS by about 39 cents and top line sales uh, also came in higher by about $2 billion at $39 billion. So, look, they had a slow quarter. I mean, year over year sales were up about 3.8%. So that was really built into the numbers. Price already reflected that. But if you look at the previous three quarters, sales were growing at about 14%. So margins are still intact. I mean, they're guiding for operating margins that are over 15% uh, going forward with about 3% comp sales growth, which again is, is, is moderate, let's just say. But I think it's a consistent uh, dividend and earnings player. I mean, their dividend right now, in terms of their payout ratio is only about 40%, about 2.57% yield close to $7.70 a share in dividends, but their business continues to evolve. And I think this is important. It's just not, it's not just the DIY customer uh, from the household standpoint. They've, they've done extremely well in moving into their, uh, their pro, their contractor's business, but also service uh, coordination and outsourcing of services for, uh, for, uh, for homes. And, and I think this is another component of their business people have, have really overlooked because when people go there, they look for things to buy for their home for improving, but they don't necessarily see the back-end business that Home Depot has, especially the, the contractor or pro business, as well as the fact that a lot of services and service contractors are actually booked through major service providers like Home Depot and Lowe's now. Okay, so uh, Home Depot... Uh, rallying even despite a uh, uh, low single-digit top-line growth is definitely a change right. of pace kind of fitting into this uh, more uh, welcoming risk appetite this morning. Uh, the stock has been getting hit. The only catch is it just made a low on Thursday for the year, last Thursday. So uh, hard to kind of know what to believe, the bounce or the trend. I guess if we get above 315 bucks, Home Depot starts to get pretty interesting. $320, if it gets there, would be the highest we've seen since March. Uh, but given the housing numbers that have cooled a tiny bit and the very specific housing inflation 
uh, you know, problems for input prices. If uh, Home Depot starts to turn around, uh, that could be a really meaningful event for the market. What do you think? Well, I, I think it can be, OJ. I mean, look what's going on. I mean, Home Depot, Lowe's, the market has been down. It's really a reflection of rates and certainly around you know inflation. Everyone talks about it. But if you look at long-term rates, OJ, they're well anchored still. I mean, if you everyone compares them to say, hey, it's the highest uh, you know long-term interest rate since 2018. Yeah, that's true. But inflation is running, what, three times what it was in 2018? So my point is, is that long-term rates are still extremely well anchored. And with that said, you know, this this market, you know, which was, you know, oversold, let's just put it uh, frankly, uh, you know, bottoming out last week might catch a pretty meaningful counter trend rally, but it's not necessarily a trend reversal per se. I mean, you know, candlesticks, you know, uh, weekly hammers are one thing, but at the end of the day, you know, this this market, to me, at the very least, won't trend reverse until it's above the 200 period moving average, which means we have some ways to move because last time we hit that as a barrier, and this was again in April, the market just uh, completely sold off once again at the beginning of the month. So mm -hmm. this is, again, beginning of April. So, again, these counter trend rallies can continue for uh, for quite some time. They can be very powerful. Uh, but you have to be still cautious, I suggest, because, you know, there's still this ominous element of rates, inflation, the Fed and still some of the geopolitical issues which haven't been solved. 200-day moving average for the S&P 500 around 43.50 for perspective, yeah. uh, which is uh, still a decent ways away. Uh, to your point, our rally in March uh, that ended in April uh, was above there for a brief moment and then turned around. Right, uh, right now what's interesting is a little China action, George. Uh, you know, Chinese stocks yeah. have actually held their March low when there was a lot of deep regulatory concern on top of lingering COVID problems. You know, the FXI and the K-Web, a couple of those big ETFs that people follow, it has held on now uh, for about two months. And this morning we see JD getting a lot of love after earnings. We talked with Jeff Kleintop about the potential for the dollar to cool yeah. off if uh, the international story is improving. And obviously China plays a big role in that. Uh, ben was telling us about the potential for some of the lockdowns to ease. Uh, are we on to something here? Could this be uh, the much-awaited China comeback moment? So it could be, OJ. I mean, here's the thing. There's always something that changes from a, from a quantitative standpoint that leads. And it might be the case that China stocks are really giving the marketplace a signal that the dollar is ready to roll over and things might start improving, you know, some of the growth stocks in the United States, some of the interest rate sensitive areas uh, of the stock market. And, and, you, and I think you're, you're making a great point when it comes down to the fact that the, uh, the Chinese stock didn't put in, Chinese stocks in general, broadly speaking, didn't put in lower lows with the rest of the market last week. So JD.com, JD which is one of the retail e-commerce giants and logistics giants, and this is important, uh, reported some some pretty good earnings overall, where sales were growing 18%, beat the estimates uh, by about 9%. Uh, when it comes down to to uh, top line sales, adjusted earnings also came in had expectations at 40 cents versus the 16 uh, cents. They are expected to grow 20% year over year uh, going forward. Now, only 10% of their sales really represent um, uh, e-commerce. Uh, what's uh, I'm sorry, logistics. Logistics actually grew 28%. So JD is becoming a business-to-business, -business, uh, you know, epicenter stock. It's not just e-commerce or retail. And I think it's important 
we're looking at uh, qualifying different stocks, especially in the Chinese uh, market. Gross merchandise sales volume increased 80% in 2021 for the name. But at the same time, active customers grew uh, by about 16%. So the number of active customers grew 16%, sales grew 18%. So that tells you right there that there's something going on. Either one, they're getting more dollars out of each customer, or two, they're growing other businesses. And I suggest it's the latter, in particular, the logistics business, which they've been building out for quite some time. Hmm. So, uh, J.D., uh, pretty interesting, again, that, you know, 18% top-line growth uh, is, uh, you know, in a, a, is enough right now uh, to try and rebuild some of the sentiment. Because, I mean, you were doing, there were plenty of companies with an e-commerce focus doing a lot more than that. Uh, but with JD on the logistics side and some of the non-e-commerce, uh, you know, specific business is, um, you know, putting them in maybe a category of just general cyclical rebound. You know, thinking about Ababa this morning, also yeah. up eight and a half percent, though that's uh, pretty impressive too. Uh, so even the kind of direct e-commerce plays are getting some life. Uh, the K-Web uh, China Internet ETF up almost six percent. So uh, I guess that's good. The only catch is George, does that uh, limit or does that help the U.S. story? Just real quick, I mean, is this going to be a comeback? specifically for this area that takes money flows away from the U.S.? Or do you think everybody gets to catch the, the China comeback trade if it means the global economy is recovering? Well, if, if the lockdowns start to improve, the dollar starts to roll over, which I think it does, it puts less pressure on China, which indirectly puts less pressure, I suggest, on U.S. equities as well, OJ. So I think there can be, you know, you know pretty meaningful rally from here in some of these growth-centric names, China inclusive because it's so sensitive to the dollar. And I'm not going to consider China really an emerging market anymore. I think it's a developed economy now, uh, to say the least. But it doesn't have its own international currency, which is still a problem for it. So it is still sensitive to the U.S. dollar. But watching the dollar, watching rates you know, being well anchored, looking at the S&P really hit that 20% bear market number last week. NASDAQ 100 down 30%. Uh, you know, everything's lining up for, for a potentially you know, pretty good rally inclusive of the Chinese stocks. I can't say if that's going to be the case because anything can happen, uh, you know, especially with GDP contracting in the first quarter of the year. So, but with that said, you know, the other thing is you have to consider with Chinese stocks is the regulatory overhang. That's still out there. That's still a concern, which can create a whipsaw, you know, increase or decrease in a lot of these names, JD included. Okay. All right. Nice. Good stuff, George. Uh, great analysis for us. Very helpful on the JD earnings as well as the Walmart Home Depot dichotomy this morning. Home Depot coming back. Walmart giving up a lot of gains. Rough session for Walmart Bulls. Thanks, George.